Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. I want to thank all of you, like really sincerely, for turning out on our very, very, gosh, um, like spontaneous thing that we did last Monday. And I'll give you the story, the backstory on that. There's a, a little bit of a backstory. So, like you can see, I've got a, a wheelbarrow full of stones. Uh, so, as I confess my sins, if anybody wants to come up and pick up a stone, <laughs> you who are without sin. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we'll get to that in just a second. But I, so last week, I think it was like Friday uh, or Saturday, I can't remember which day it was right now. But remember I had that message, like a, a prophetic word about us encountering informative angels, like angels unaware. I've got all these testimonies pouring in about that. By the way, somebody came up, wanted to testify, and we'll get to it next week, uh, healing from cancer. Somebody came up, wanted to testify regarding houses that weren't supposed to be able to be bought, that were bought. Somebody else wanted to come up and testify, uh, getting a miraculous job. Like, we're going to get to that. These are really, God's moving, yeah? And we're going to get to all that stuff. I just need to be obedient to this this morning. This angel unaware thing, I gave a couple of examples. Matter of fact, one of the kids, well, not kids, he's, he's, a, he's a man, but he's a veteran, and he's no longer attending here because he moved to another state. And he was, I mean, really funked out. He was really in a funk. And, and um, uh, and he called his mom and asked for prayer and just like, you know how you get beside yourself sometimes. So he goes, he goes to the municipal dump where he lives and he's dumping a bunch of stuff out of his truck, just saying, where's God in all this, yeah? And so, uh, uh, you know, all of a sudden, he's a vet, okay, but uh, all of a sudden, a much older, an older man who has a veteran's hat on comes up to him and just says, I think I'm supposed to pray for you. Can I pray for you? You know, he's startled. He says, yeah. And this guy lays hands on him and prays for every single issue that he was struggling with and then drives away. See, now, is that a human being? Is it an angel? See, angel means, the word angel means messenger. So whether it's flesh and blood or spirit, you know, I don't care. This is the kind of stuff we're talking about. You know? So on the heels of that, I don't want to get into too many of those testimonies. On the heels of that, I pull in on Saturday to get gas, and I, I just pull in and I take the nozzle, put it in, and I'm pumping the gas. And all of a sudden, this huge Lincoln, black Lincoln, brand new SUV pulls up like right in front of me. And this rather sophisticated guy gets out of the, the, the SUV, and he walks up to me pumping gas, and he looks at me, and he says, is this the best day of the rest of your life? And I'm startled, you know, because it ain't that great a day. So, you know, <laughs> like, is this all there is, you know? And I, I said, well, it's a good day, you know? <laughs> I mean, I'm vertical, you know? So, then he says it again. 
And like he's very well-dressed and well-coiffured and all that, he says, is this day the best day of the rest of your life? And I said, well, it's a good day. I repeated it again. I'm startled. And he just walks right back, didn't pump gas, gets in this big Lincoln SUV. I wish he would have given it to me, uh, you know, <laughs> and he just drives away. Now, I was on my way to the Hellertown Trail, which is where I do prayer walks. I wanted to really do a prayer walk about all this transition stuff and all this stuff that's going on. Had no idea we'd be together this And the Lord began to speak to me and say, if you will preach on living stones to the church, I'm going to honor it in an unusual way. And I thought, okay, I'll I'll be obedient to do that. Now, I was in Mukunji last week overseeing the meeting. And when I was overseeing the meeting, I felt like God said to me, you know, this sounds like I have this ongoing you know, telephone call to God. It doesn't work like that. I'm just trying to make it simple. So God says to me, there's an urgency about this. You need to do it this week. And so I thought, well, you know, this is going to go over big with the staff. <laughs> so I said, you know, okay, God, I'll be obedient. And I, I pitched it to the staff and everybody said, we think this is God. So here we are, we're together. And I, I believe God has a word for us this morning. Okay. So the title of this morning's message is radioactive. And I'll explain that in just a second. Some of you who are older, you know, will have recognized that, that song that was singing, Turn, 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 It Was the Birds. David Crosby was in that group, one of the founders of that group. It's like, it's a hippie song from the 60s. But it was written by Pete Seeger years before, who was really a famous American songwriter who passed away a few years back. The song is based on chapter three of the book of Ecclesiastes. I want to read it. It has to do with the fact that every purpose under heaven has a season in God. Can I say that again? Every purpose under heaven has a season in God. So the Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse one, two says, to everything there is a season. It says everything has a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted or harvest, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up. This is all the purposes of God, the workings of the Lord. A time to weep, but a time to laugh, a time to mourn, but a time to dance. And then this, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones together. Uh, There's been a lot of stone throwing in our nation this past year, the whole world. Are you there? I want to declare that it's a time to gather stones together. One of the key prophecies over this church going way back, like 40 years back, matter of fact, it was on the very day Tom Horn and Denise Horn, when your son Jesse was dedicated, there was a prophet who was speaking and he, and he said that this church is going to be a church who are like the sons of Issachar, who know the times and the seasons. Sons of Issachar were a peculiar tribe because it wasn't just that they discerned the times or the seasons, they were astronomers. They were the ones who fixed the Jewish calendar. The Jewish calendars that we observe today 
The two calendars were fixed by the sons of Issachar. It was that kind of thing. So the reason I believe as a senior leader that we're here, as the Lord wanted us to be here is this morning, is that we're moving into a season where God is gathering stones together. You know, there are key places in the Old Testament, places like Bethel, places like Gilgal, like Jericho, and other places where stones are gathered and stones are piled. Sometimes they're anointed with oil, sometimes they're not, but it's a significant time because it means we're going to memorialize this moment and then we're gonna go forward in the purposes of God. That's a theme in the Old Testament. The New Testament application of the idea of gathering stones, I find in 1 Peter chapter 2. So I want to read that. I want to read through what Isaiah just eloquently offered us, but I want to unpack it as we go through it. Can we do that? So here's the context of 1 Peter 2. The churches that Peter is writing to are in Asia Minor, and they're churches that have been forced into exile in Asia Minor. They've been ripped from one another. They've been exiled. They've been isolated. And the idea is that the people are disoriented, maybe even confused, disorganized, and their being in exile has taken a real toll on their capacity to love each other. Because uh, that's what happens when you get all discombobulated like that. And their ability to model and share the gospel from their perspective has been crippled. Boy, what a description of this past year. So Peter wants to encourage them. So I want to begin reading in verse 1. So Peter says, so put away all malice. Put away means quit clutching, quit holding on to, leave go of malice. And then he says, in all deceit. You see, malice is when we wish ill towards someone else. And deceit is when we secretly do it. We, we, you know, we, we tuck it into our hearts and stuff it. Put away hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Slander is when we activate the malice with our words, yeah? And this gives us a clue to what's going on in the exiled churches. He wouldn't write this if he didn't have to address it. Verse 2, then he says, like newborn infants, long for, yearn for, be desirous of the pure spiritual milk. Now, it's really interesting. The word there for spiritual is translated different ways, this milk. This milk isn't the kind of milk in the book of, of Hebrews where it suggests immaturity. This is something different. It's something nurturing. And the word for spiritual, you would think would be, those of you who know a little Greek, would be pneuma, pneumatica. It's not, it's logikos from the word logos. So some translations say, long again, for the milk that comes only from the word of God. Whoa. You know, boy, is the church in need of that encouragement. All right? So this is a different kind of milk. It's the milk of the word of God. Verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Verse 4, as you come to him. As a, there's got to be a coming to him, which we did this morning and we're doing. As you come to him. A living stone, this is Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. Boy, different value systems in the world and in the kingdom. Verse 5, you yourselves like living stones, living stones are being built up into 
a spiritual house. Hello, stones. Yeah? This is stones. This is us. You yourself are the living stones. We living stones aren't able to become a building unless we're coming to him. Huh? And so to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Then Peter goes to Isaiah 26 and he quotes it. It says, for it stands in scripture. Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Wow. So there's a rejection and an acceptance. All right. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. You see, there, there are two value systems working here. What the world sees as stupid and useless and unable to be imbibed, what the world sees as that, God says is precious. It's like diamonds. That's us. We're precious. That's us. They stumble, it's talking about the world, because they disobeyed the word, boy, as they were destined to. Well, how would you like to unpack that on a Sunday morning, right? Verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into this marvelous light. And once you were not a people, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. And once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, because you're sojourning and you're exiled them, whatever the noun is. He says, it's not bad that you can abstain from the passions. Now here, this is interesting. You abstain from the passions of the flesh. Everybody gets that. Got to abstain from those passions, which war against our spirits. That's not what he says. He says, which war against our souls. Wow. Well, there's a little flip from most of the testimony of the New Testament. He pointedly doesn't say against the spirit. He says, passions that war against our soul. The word for soul there is psyche. In other words, Peter's saying that consequent to this exile, this sojourning, you know, we're dislodged, disoriented, isolated. Uh, we can default to desires that attack us emotionally and our identities get attacked. Our sense of stability gets attacked. Our mental health gets attacked. All of those faculties fall under the notion of psyche or soul. You know, that's a description of this year. Huh? It's been a warfare, man. So verse 12, that's why I would never put these stones up at the beginning of COVID. <laughs> Keep your conduct among the Gentiles. See, the Gentiles come into this, the unbelievers. Honorable so that, this is huge, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Well, they tend not to do that, but then he says, in the day of visitation. Now, this word, the day of visitation, the word is episcopos, from which we get the word episcopal. It means those who exercise the oversight. Elsewhere in the scriptures, it's used to describe a bishop, okay? 
And there's a disagreement among interpreters as to what the day of visitation is. And a lot of them relegate it to the, the second coming of Jesus. But I, I never do. I feel like there are days of visitation. There are seasons of visitation from the Lord. Matter of fact, in Luke 19, Jesus looks out over Jerusalem and says, oh, Jerusalem, how I wanted to gather you under my wings as a hen gathers her chicks. I wanted to gather you. And then he says this, which is freaky. He says, but you would not. You wouldn't come together. And then he goes on to prophesy what's going to happen to Jerusalem. Peter calls us stones. And I think that it's kind of, of a crazy metaphor. Okay, it's probably something I would cook up. I know that he wants to express the idea of a building, a building the house of God. Okay, I, I get that. But really, a stone? You see, stones in nature are inert. They're energyless, you know, unless it's coal, all right? And we can't do that anymore. Immovable. Stones, especially building stones, they're, they're nondescript. If you look at these stones, they're, they're pretty nondescript. There's no diamonds or rubies in there. They're building stones. And that's why builders build with them. Yeah. So, but Peter taps into what David and Isaiah said a thousand years before about Messiah in the Old Testament. He is alive. He's a living stone. And we're to be living stones as well. Alive stones, life-giving stones, contagious stones, energetic stones, glowing stones. That's life. You see, because the only example, and I'm thinking through this, the only example of living stones that I can think of in nature are radioactive stones. Huh? They're glowing. They're toxic to darkness. They cut through flesh and blood with x-rays and they see what's there. It's a great metaphor, isn't it? You know? So if a building, and I was thinking about this, if a building were to be built with a living stone, Jesus, as a cornerstone, but in the natural, all the rules of structural engineering would have to go out the door, or at least most of them, because the cornerstone is a stone that all the other stones lean upon. The cornerstone is also the stone that all the other stones are designed upon. So what that means is if it were living, energetic, and moving and glowing, all the stones would have to flex in concert with the cornerstone. Does that make sense to you? In other words, this would be like an earthquake-proof building on the Pacific Rim, like West Coast or, or Japan. When the earthquake hits, all the stone, the whole building flexes with the shaking, right? With the shaking. Barry Falkenstein came into the uh, One Voice meeting a couple weeks ago and said, God sent me here to tell you everything that's able to be shaken is going to be shaken. Now, I've got to be honest, I get that prophecy about once every four months. You know, really, in 40 years I've had that prophecy quarterly, you know. And I'm not demeaning the prophecy, it's probably true. But I think, you know what, if you're in a building where you're leaning in to the structure of the living stone, and you're living yourself, you can stand the shaking. 
Are, are you there? Hey, brothers and sisters, we got shaken this year. We can stand the shaking, and whatever else is going to come, we can stand the shaking because for 2,000 years, the church has persevered and stood the shaking in any shaking that can come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So from the world's perspective, Peter says these living stones, these glowing, energetic pieces of rock, they're rejected. You guys, listen, do you realize you've been pretty rejected this year? This 14-month to 24-month transition, the church, listen, the church in this season, we also, we exist in a season when the church has been really devalued by the kingdom of this world in a totally unprecedented way. In the West, not, not, not in the developing world. Do you realize that? I mean, are we aware enough of that, right? I don't think I can remember in my lifetime a time when the church has been rejected as it is right now. Church attendance is tanking. The statistics uh, for Bible believers, if we're to believe Barna and the rest of those characters, are miserable. The number of unchurched and the willingly shepherdless sheep are greater than ever before. Huh? And, and I'm talking about the U.S. and Canada here. So it seems like we're becoming like Europe. <laughs> yeah? That which the world embraces is valuable, and that which the kingdom of God embraces is valuable are being further removed from one another like I've never seen. Now, here's the thing. Well, maybe I'll even say this. Look, there are television shows. I don't watch a lot of TV, but as I'm looking at some of the shows, just kind of trying to get a, exegete the culture right now, I look at some of the shows, I can't believe how bad they are. I mean, I mean, it's like, it's freaking me out here, you know? And I'm like a cultural guy, you know? Tell you what, because I like to write, and I, I read a lot of fiction, and I, the writing is horrible. I mean, it's horrible. I thought, who could write that? Who could pay somebody to write that line? Do you, you know? I mean, really, it's like there. Uh, academia, you know, Shakespeare, Milton, Hopkins, all these wonderful writers, they're being stripped. Like, English majors who don't read Shakespeare, you know? I mean, like, stuff like that. This is, there's a, the, the culture war is putting the church way over. Why? Because the church affected all those great writers. Les Miserables, you know. Uh, I, we can go on and on. I'm, okay, but watch this, though. Now, I don't see, I, this is why I was hesitating to say this, because I don't want you to walk out of here saying, oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. I hate those kinds of messages. I really do. Um, I believe in hell in handbaskets, but that's not my point. <laughs> Verse 4 says there's a contrast between human valuing and God valuing. And what God values wins. God values you. God values me. And that contrast is important to the kingdom. Uh, The the world may see us and our faith as useless and stupid and simple and deplorable and blah, blah, blah. You know, guess what? God says... Every one of you are precious. Think of something you have that's really precious. It could be anything. You know, for some of you, it 
you know, it could be a, a wedding ring. For some of you, it might be your Jeep, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know. But if it's precious to you, it means you value it more than what it's worth. That's the way God sees us. Huh? All right. All right, so Jesus, now here's the good news because of the value system here. Jesus never discontinued, nor will he ever discontinued building his church that hell is unable to stand in his path. He, it ain't going to stop. He said to Peter, I will build my church. It's going to be tacit. It's going to be local. It's going to be identifiable. It ain't Starbucks on Saturday morning with three guys. That's not it. Part of it, you can be in the church. That ain't church. You hear me? Uh, and God says, if it's really church, hell will not stand. And that hasn't stopped. Hallelujah. So God's ordained vehicle for his kingdom remains the church. The church gathered and the church radioactive. <laughs> All right, you look, man, we came in here this morning, I was smelling critical mass. <laughs> Some of you know what that means if you're physics majors. Anyway, there's another metaphor that Peter uses that gets misunderstood, and that's this thing, we're newborns. That doesn't mean we're immature. It means we're new creations. And if you're a new creation, see, I was talking to, to somebody about this this week. Sanctification isn't a, a process whereby we become new creations. Sanctification is a process whereby we enter in to who we are, new creations in Christ Jesus. All things are new. All things are done away with. We are radioactive. Huh? That's what's being said here. As I said, the way you get there is logikos milk. Logos milk, the milk of the word of God. I wrote this down. I think it's profound. What did I write? Okay. When we need to be renewed, when we need to become young again, when we are COVID-aged, when we are COVID-fatigued, when we're politically fatigued, when all that stuff is going on, like a child, Peter says we can suckle at a mother's breast and we can suckle upon the scriptures themselves. Let's do it. So each of us is a living stone and the raw material of the house of the Lord. The building rests upon Jesus, but it also takes its design from Jesus, which is to say, all of us are supposed to look like the cornerstone. We're supposed to be alive like Jesus, okay? Paul's version of this comes from Ephesians 4. Most of you know it. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body uh, fits together, healthy and growing. And then he says this, in love. I, I, I was thinking, man, every church in America needs to do a series on agape. Because agape means love in Greek. We have become so familiar with that word, it's, it doesn't mean anything anymore. It's, it's, a, it's a word that, that, that wasn't even used in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Greek world, in the Mediterranean world, until... Jesus comes, and then suddenly it takes, it takes its central meaning in the New Testament. It wasn't used at all, hardly. It was a garden variety word that was hardly ever see in classic literature. So a church that lives together in Christ has to flex together in love, resilience, 
growing, contagious, glowing, energetic, and it's all powered by, by love. The radioactivity of the, that church is its aliveness and its contagious and its love. Okay. Over the last year, one of the lies that's been flying around is this. People are saying, not just at this church, I had a meeting with um, major apostolic leaders the week before last in Maryland, and the recognition by the apostolic, the agenda of the devil through this whole principality called COVID uh, was to isolate us, fracture us, disenfranchise us, wherever you go, this is like the, the deal. But the lie that gets generated, that, that you know, kind of whispers in your ear is this. One thing I've learned this past year is we don't need each other anymore the way I thought we needed each other before we went into this. Huh? Huh? And to the extent that we embrace that thought, here's what concerns me. There's going to be a cost. There's going to be a cost. Well, what is that? There's a day coming, a day of visitation, where our deportment, the way we love, the way we conduct our lives, the way we do things as a church, will be judged by Jesus. And I'm not talking about second coming. I'm talking about those days of visitation. When, when I was young in the Roman church, the day of visit, it was a day of visitation. It was on the liturgical calendar. That was when the bishop showed up. And, and really, I mean, if you're in Catholic school, man, you know, everybody had to have clean uniforms on and there because a bishop was coming. It was the day of visitation, you know. And, you know, a lot rode on his evaluation of the church, the schools and all those kinds of things. What was patterned after this concept, you know? I believe for us the day of visitation is going to be a day where we have a choice. Either the church gets judged for its love or it gets judged I should say, it gets judged positively for its love. Are you there? And here's what I don't, everybody says, what's the next revival going to look like? We need a reformation. We need a revival. We need this. Look, here's the thing. There's this great meeting last night over at Waldheim Park, which we advertised. There are about 200 or so people praised for two hours, and it was, it was really good. It was wonderful. Matter of fact, they did this drum solo, you know, see, everybody in this meeting at Waldheim Park was old except for me. <laughs> and there's this really cool drum solo by Jamie Fitz Drummer. And I just wanted to run down the aisle and do a Kevin Bacon footloose, you know. And I bounced it by Johnny Kilman and he looked at me like I was absolutely out of my mind. So, <laughs> but I wanted to. <laughs> but if I did it, I would be in the emergency room over at Muhlenberg this morning. But as I looked across, as I looked across the, uh, the, the congregation last night, I will bet, I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty, I, I'm pretty sure this is true, that there were roughly, I could count the number of 10 to 20-year-olds worshiping on one hand. It was all of us in yesteryear. Are you there? I ain't going to stand anymore. Now, when I look over this congregation, look downstairs, I see a healthy church. I see kids. The importance of this family is absolutely huge. So what I want to do is this.
Only as we come to him can we begin to be build up with one another. This is what I saw happening in the spirit when I was walking the trail. And I felt like this is being obedient to God. All right. All of us need to come to Jesus and be willing to be firmly fit again. Now, I want to make a big, big, big disclaimer. I am not talking about necessarily New Covenant, NC4. I am talking about NC4, but I have, for 40 years, I've been saying, this ain't the only circus in town. Yeah, are you there? I care about who comes here. I really do. When, when people leave, it hurts. And sometimes, unfortunately, it doesn't. But <laughs> if I'm honest, you know, <laughs> have fun storming the castle, buddy. You know, anyway, so. <laughs> but my heart isn't, I mean, my heart is NC4. But my heart isn't only NC4. But I, I'm, I feel like the Lord said, look, there's stones here. I wish everyone who wants to be firmly refit to come up and get a stone. You don't have to. Uh, and then take the stone and let it be a reminder over the course of the week. Put it in your car, put it somewhere. Um, and, uh, uh, and let it be a, an object that, that brings you into prayer about what you're willing to do to be firmly fit in the body of Christ, wherever God leads you. Yeah. Are you there? No malice, no hidden grievances, none of that nonsense. Just go out there and find your family, find where you're fit, and then we're in a season of gathering stones together. Isn't that wonderful? Which means we can pour oil on them and go off into the purposes of God. I'm hoping for those of you who are at home watching virtually, because I've done this before. If you, after service, will just take a little walk and pray and find a stone and then take that stone and make it your, your, uh, your prophetic utterance, you know, where it encourages you to pray about where you belong, who you belong to is Jesus, but what body of Jesus you belong to and what he wants of you. Because I believe we're going into a day when we're going to see the visitation of the Lord and it's going to be intergenerational. Amen. So let's stand. Thank you for listening to the NC4 Podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.